Welcome to the podcast for the Tuesday Morning Q&A with Attorney Boyd Shepard. Each Tuesday Morning Q&A podcast is an edited and shortened version of a previously held live Q&A Zoom session. Go to LegalDental.com for more information and additional podcast episodes of the podcast for the Tuesday Morning Q&A. For 27 years Attorney Boyd Shepard has developed a specialized practice of providing legal services and counsel to Texas dentists on a wide range of legal issues that dentists face. Dr. Shepard has vast experience in Texas State Board representation at each and every level of the process. Additionally, Dr. Shepard's law practice includes day-to-day counsel and guidance to dentists across the state of Texas on issues related to their business operations, board rule compliance, risk management, employees, patients, and a variety of matters in litigation. For more information and to schedule a consultation with Attorney Boyd Shepard, go to LegalDental.com. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more great content and helpful tools from Attorney Boyd Shepard, check out the LegalDental.com Law Library. In the LegalDental.com Law Library, you will have access to over 20 separate highly informative online courses, all available 24 hours a day for viewing and studying at your convenience. The LegalDental.com Law Library is available exclusively for dentists and contains a wealth of legal knowledge, informative videos, and legal forms, all organized specifically for each course subject. Each course will educate and provide guidance on the most common legal matters, regulatory compliance requirements, and business issues for dentists. Each course has been prepared personally by Boyd, and all courses have been reduced in price substantially to allow greater accessibility and affordability. To access the LegalDental.com Law Library, go to LegalDental.com. Good morning, everyone. Good to see everybody. Great to see everyone. Happy Tuesday. Hope everyone's doing well. Hope your day is off great and that your week is starting off well. Thank you for being here. Thank you for joining. I appreciate it. So today will be a little bit different. It's more on the business side because I'm uh, working with a doctor right now who's putting together financing for uh, the purchase of a dental practice, which is exciting. And it's a great opportunity and things are progressing, but there's a little bit of a snag because of a situation with respect to their incorporation as an entity a few years ago, separate and apart from anything that they're planning to do with this purchase of a practice. I mean, it was during a time that they weren't contemplating a practice purchase. So um, I'll get into that and incorporation. The 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 issue with this particular subject today is that uh, I may be preaching to the choir in the sense that all of you are incorporated, you understand incorporation, you you have your your businesses, and um, you have had great advice from your CPA 
and attorneys to assist you with that process. And so if you're already incorporated and you understand all of this, but there may be some folks on that aren't incorporated or maybe they are and they don't understand all the ins and outs of it. They just kind of hand it off. I don't know. So uh, I'm going to talk about it and um, I won't cover everything in the subject area, but I'm going to touch on some basics and then hopefully it's helpful and can be helpful to you or someone you know. Use this as a tool in the future. I do make the Q&A available through a podcast later that um, allows you to go back and listen to what we discussed. And so if there's something that might be helpful to someone you know, you can refer them to the to the podcast. And uh, it's easy to find. It's on all of the uh, formats for podcasts. I'll show you that screen real quick. Um, if there's any subject that we've covered over the past year and you think it might be helpful to someone else, you can refer them to, to the podcast to uh, listen and find the subject that we've covered. So today we're going to talk about, like I said, uh, incorporation. So to get started, today's question uh, I'm just going to start off with, hey, I'm incorporated. Now what? <laughs> and it, I'm taking it from the perspective that you have already incorporated, and yet you may not even know what that means at this point. You just understood that perhaps or you were required by a bank or for some reason you incorporated, and that's Essentially, what happened in the in the case that I'm dealing with right now is that the doctor um, not only is incorporated, but they incorporated themselves. They did it basically through an online service that allows you to incorporate you, yourself and walks you through that. Um, if anybody can remember what that's called. I just, my brain, I can't think of what that's called, but I'm sure we've all heard of it where you can get legal documents and do that yourself. You, you can type that in the chat. If you can, if your brain can think of it this early in the morning, I can't, it's LegalZoom. That's what it is. LegalZoom.com. I don't know if they did it through LegalZoom or how they did it, but they did incorporate themselves. And, and what's funny about that is that incorporation becoming a corporate entity is, uh, not difficult to do at all. And so that kind of is a segue to what is incorporation and why do I do it? So incorporation is where you create a legal entity. And that's what incorporation is. You create a legal entity that's recognized by the state, state, the jurisdiction that you're in, let's say Texas in this case, because that's where we are. And the reason you do it is because for your business, you want to create this other, what we call an entity, separate and apart from your personal self that deals with all of the structure and issues related to business separate and apart from yourself. And then you, as an individual, as a licensed professional, would then work for or be an employee of. And if you're the owner of that entity, you would also be the owner, possibly the president or a member or a shareholder or all of the above of that entity. And there's tax considerations 
that's actually beneficial to you tax-wise to separate yourself, your personal self, from your legal entity for your practice and your business. And there's also liability uh, considerations that helps you to separate your personal self from your business entity, your business self. And so um, that's why you incorporate. There's tax reasons, there's legal reasons. And so that's what you would consult with an attorney and a CPA about. That's kind of leads to the next question. And that is, how do I incorporate my business? And so the way that, excuse me, how do I incorporate? And, and what I was saying earlier, it's not difficult, right? And so you can, in Texas, you can go to the Texas Secretary of State website, which is easy to get to because of this magical thing called Google. And you just type that in there, Texas Secretary of State, and in one click, you're there. And once you get to the Texas Secretary of State website, you're looking for the link that says business organizations, because that's what you're attempting to do is organize your business. And within that, you can drill down to the different types of legal entities that are available to you to form. Now, being a licensed professional regulated by the state of Texas with a dental license, uh, the state considers you a what they term and define as a professional. And uh, the reason I point that out, the reason that's important is because your options are going to be to be incorporated as a corporation, a corp, an ink, INC period, just a straight up generic garden variety vanilla corporation, or you can be a limited liability company. And there's reasons why you would choose one over the other, both legal and tax wise. Or there are options to be what's called a professional corporation or a professional limited liability company, right? And those are the basic four choices. There's other choices that we're not going to get into today, but those are, most of the time, those are going to be the choices for you. Technically, for a licensed dentist who wants to create a legal entity, they should choose either a professional corporation or a professional limited liability company. And that word professional on the front is important. Uh, and because that's where the state is recognizing your professional license, right? And now I do see doctors who do a straight corp, a straight corporation or a straight limited liability company. And when I see that, I think to myself, well, whoever they used as their attorney or CPA to form that corporation for some reason that I don't understand didn't advise them to set up as a professional corporation or professional limited liability company. And over these 20 plus 30 years, I've never really gotten the answer to why that happens other than somebody jumped out of the gate really fast, didn't understand to set it up as a professional entity and 
was just off and running. And so that is possible and it can work and you don't have to back up and start over. It's just better to set it up as a professional limited liability company or a professional corporation because that's what you are. You're a licensed professional, okay? So there's that component of it. Like I was saying, you can go to the Texas Secretary of State website, go into the business organization section. You can find the entity type that you want. And they have the forms in PDF format to fill out on your own with all of the information to then submit and file with the Texas Secretary of State to become incorporated. And the issue there is that at some point in those documents, in that, let's say you want to be a professional corporation and you select that PDF, you select that form and you're filling it out. As you get to about two thirds into that form, you're going to get into some questions that you're not going to know the answer to. You're not going to know exactly how to answer that question. And it may have a huge impact, at least at a minimum from a tax consideration, how you answer those questions in the initial formation. And so that's the second part of the advice that I always give is, you know, I use a form. When someone says, Boyd, I want to be incorporated, I say, great, no problem. I have a form. I will send it to you. Fill this out with all of your information because there's basic information that I need to have that gives me the information that I need, the details that I need, gives me the details that I need to complete the application for incorporation. Not only your information, because you're going to be the shareholder, and in many, most cases, and probably 95% of all the corporations that I've helped set up over 30 years, and it's more than I could count at this point, I need all of that detailed information that includes not only your full legal name, but also your business address and whether or not there's going to be additional shareholders. And in 90%, 95% of all of these that I've done over the years, there's only going to be you, the individual, the, the, the single doctor as the only person who's a shareholder in that corporation. I do have entities that I've formed over the years where there's doctors that are partnering, there's several shareholders. That's not a problem. But most of the cases, it is just one single individual, and that's perfectly fine. There's nothing wrong with that, right? And so I gather that information, and but because I do know how to answer all of the questions in that form that the Secretary of State provides, then... the corporation is can now be applied for. Now there's a process there. And when I say apply for the incorporation, and I'll tell you this too, over the years, I did it myself. I dealt with the Texas, area, te Texas Secretary of State direct. All of the filings were done through their office. And when you do it direct with the Texas Secretary of State, the issue is 
because they are getting inundated with incorporation requests on a daily basis, that process, and it's been a long time since I dealt with them direct, uh, but it used to take at least two weeks, right? And sometimes longer because of how busy they might be, which would be a function of the time of the year. And then somewhere along the line, maybe after five years, I think it was more like after 10 years of practice, I don't know how long it took, but some way, somehow I became aware of a service that's available over in Austin, that that's their business. That's all they do all day long is that they take the application and then they handle it from there and they can turn around an incorporation within 24 to 48 hours. And that fit what I needed better because my clients would come to me and say, Boyd, the bank is telling me to incorporate. My CPA is telling me to incorporate. I'm trying to do this deal. I need to incorporate quickly. Can you help me? And the answer was now, yes, we don't have to wait two weeks anymore. If you get me this information today and if you get it to me before noon, I can file it with my service in Austin. They'll walk it through. And by this time tomorrow, you'll be incorporated, worst case, uh, within 48 hours. Great. So the what I love about this service over in Austin is not only do they walk it through and make things happen much quicker, but they double check the paperwork and they do what's called a, a name availability check to make sure that the name that you want your business to be is available through the Texas Secretary of State and uh, in the business organizations. Because what happens is, and I'll use uh, myself as an example, if I wanted to incorporate, and I am incorporated actually, and my incorporation name is Boyd W. Shepard, PC, Professional Corporation. That's my legal entity name, Boyd W. Shepard. So apply that to yourself. If you're incorporated, you either went with your name, first and last, comma, DDS, comma, PC, or PLLC, and that's your corporation name. Well, that's going to be unique. You do a name search, name search for Boyd W or Boyd Shepherd, comma, PC, there should only come up one, right? And if you do it for your name, there should only come up one, unless you know your name is fairly common and then you know, you have to deal with that. But the majority of the time, if you're using your name, which is what I recommend for its uniqueness, you incorporate using your full name, comma, DDS, comma, PC, which is what most doctors do, at least most of my clients. But I'll have clients who come and they say, we want to name our business Excellent Dental, comma, uh, PLLC. And that's what we want our name to be. So I'll submit it excellent dental on the paperwork, on the application, and my service over in Austin will take that and they'll do a name search and they'll probably most likely on that name, send me an email back that says, Boyd, we did the name search, excellent dental is being used in these different forms and these different ways. And that's the other thing. If the name is being used in any combination with the with the word excellent dental, it could be dental excellence. It could be 
some other word excellent dental if it has that combination or anything that sounds like it or close to it it may or most likely will get rejected by the texas secretary of state as being too similar to another name and that's why this is important so if you go through me and i use this service and this is part of what they do they give me a heads up before they submit the application because why well to become a pc a professional corporation the filing fee is going to be a combination of things, but the filing fee alone is $350. And so you don't want to waste it and or, or, or you know have it kicked back, particularly when you're in a hurry and you're trying to get this done within 24 to 48 hours. It won't go through if there's some issue with the name. And so this service that I use, I know how to do a name check. That's the other thing you can do on a Texas Secretary of State website. In fact, I did it yesterday. Uh, I try to do it ahead of time, if possible, uh, just to know if we need to look at different names. And all of that name search can be done on the Texas Secretary of State website also on your own. You don't have to use a service in Austin like I do. They just add that on as something. Uh, and we'll submit names that look like there shouldn't be a problem. And, and there, and there is. They always do that, even as uh, unique as the name may be. They always do that. But like yesterday, my client said, "Go look, see if this name's available." And it was the name that they want to use, which was good. I was a little bit surprised, but it's not going to be a problem on the name. You can do that on the Texas Secretary of State website yourself. The little bit of drilling down on the links and how to find that, and but I've done it enough times, I know where to look to do that. Um, but so you filled out the application, you submitted to the Texas Secretary of State. As an attorney, what I do is I use my service, but it's the same process. They can just do it much faster. But getting back to the form that I have filled out, that I have you fill out, one of the things that's on there is where you have to confirm to me whether or not you want a professional corporation or a professional limited liability company. You have to tell me. I don't tell you. I make recommendations but you tell me what it is that you want. And you may be saying right now, well, how do I know what I want? And I say, well, I'm going to give you recommendations and these are things you need to consider. Basically for me, the where, as an attorney, where I draw the line between a professional corporation or a professional limited liability company is simply, and I mean simply, are you planning on bringing in partners and shareholders in the future and in that case, it's it's going to be a scenario most likely where you have more than one office location, right? And you need to have multiple doctors involved mm -hmm. in the in the corporation to manage more than one office location. Not always, but that's just a, a classic scenario. And so in that instance, you're going to want to be a professional limited liability company. In all likelihood, I'm going to give the advice that each of the doctors, each of the professionals be a professional corporation separately on their own. 
and that those two professional corporations will now be the shareholders in the professional limited liability company. And it, you know, it's like, I have to draw it out on paper to see it. And there's legal reasons for that. But that's my simple answer. If you're going to be on your own and that's all you ever plan to be is the sole owner of your business, then you're going to want to be a professional corporation, a PC. That's all you need. And it makes sense. But I won't accept my own answer as the definitive final answer. I recommend to you highly, I insist or to the point of almost insisting, I um, exaggerate the point that you need to get advice from a CPA because once you're incorporated, great, but there's going to be more activity with your accountant on this corporation once it's formed than there will be with your attorney. The attorney can help with the initial setup and make sure that you're set up correctly. Also, please know, I have several clients that incorporated and they didn't use me at all. They used their CPA. CPAs will incorporate. Not all, my experiences over the last 30 years, the majority say, have your attorney set up the corporation. And then while I'm doing that, I say, make sure you find out from your CPA what entity they recommend. They're going to give you the definitive answer. Your CPA is going to give you the answer from a tax perspective, which type of entity you should be. But then they'll refer you back to the attorney to set it up. That's typically how it goes classically, right? Once you are comfortable and absolutely sure because you've consulted with a CPA of what type of entity you want to be, then you complete the form, fax or email it to me. I have what I need. I fill out the application, submit it to my service in Austin. They walk it through and now you're incorporated. Once incorporated, now what? And this is the snag we're running into with my client right now, because why? Well, sounds critical, and I hate to beat up. I don't mean to. It's just the fact that, admittedly, they incorporated themselves. And there's a number of reasons that people choose to incorporate themselves there's one in particular that's fairly obvious why a person would choose to incorporate themselves rather than get a professional like a CPA or a lawyer to help them with that. And so that's what happened in this case. They incorporated themselves, but they didn't understand that there are filings that must be made with the Texas Secretary of State as well as through the IRS in order to keep that corporation alive and well and functioning and active. And if you don't make these filings, which by the way, are done with your CPA, it's your CPA that helps you with these additional tax filings and notifications to the Secretary of State and to the IRS. That's why you get a CPA involved. It's because once you're incorporated, the work to be done to keep that corporation legally active and recognized by the Secretary of State is that you, there are tax filings that notify and, and payments made, you know, quarterly payments that are made 
with respect to income, with respect to payroll, all of it's complicated and that's what your CPA assists you with. So if you incorporate and you don't do any of that and it's just sitting there, the Texas Secretary of State says, well, this looks like somebody formed an entity, but they're not doing what they're supposed to do. And we're not going to just have it sitting there active if they're not going to use it. So they put you in inactive status. Right. And so, you know, part of the what do I do now that I'm incorporated, you have to get a federal employment ID number, you have to consult with the CPA and there are, there are tax filings that have to be made on a quarterly basis. And that's, that's, that's what you need to know. Uh, so if you incorporate yourself, which I don't recommend, because unless you know these things, if you know all of these things, great, take care of it, go for it, do it yourself. But there are licensed professionals who do this regularly, as far as myself, as an attorney, as CPAs that understand the, you know, I would, I would imagine, you know, there's, there are plenty of CPAs out there that assist with small business and corporation, right? They're going to know exactly what to do and gives you the peace of mind that when you invest in something like this for a reason, then have it handled professionally so that there's no problem. Uh, email me your questions and Boyd at LegalDental.com. Invite your friends. Uh, thank you again for joining this morning. Send me your questions ahead of time. And I look forward to seeing all of you next week. I hope you have a great week. Hope you have a great day. Thanks again for being. Subscribe to the podcast of the Tuesday Morning Q&A and receive up to eight hours of continuing education credit in risk management that satisfies the Texas State Board's biennial requirement. Go to LegalDental.com for more information. Thank you again for listening to the podcast for the Tuesday morning Q&A with attorney Boyd Shepard. For more information on subscribing to the podcast for the Tuesday morning Q&A, go to LegalDental.com. This voice was produced and typecast an artificial intelligence voice service.